Blitz is defined as a sudden, savage attack. It is indeed all this. The effect is sure. The premise is simple. It's a basic, primal confrontation. Man to man. No excuses are offered. None accepted. Welcome to the latest edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Looks like a radio station. Now, here are your hosts. Lifetime Longhorn Rod Babers. Pure athlete, yeah. I transcend race, hombre. Matt Butler. I don't talk man. I back it up. And we are talk full of that, man. right. And Jeff Howe. It's still real to me, damn it. And that's the bottom line. Because Stone Cold said so. If you're going to blitz, come strong. But don't come at all. Coming strong with another edition of Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Talking pro day. Maybe we get to spring ball. We've also got a couple of uh, interesting kind of off-the-radar items to get to. One we'll get to, a couple we'll get to at the top, actually. So let's not waste any time. Let's go ahead and get right to it. Let me bring in the rest of the team. He is the master of the soundboard, the drop machine extraordinaire. No longer the man behind the glass, but the man who sits right across from me. He's got all his monitors in front of him, the board, all that stuff, so he can make sure we're running a tight ship. He is the man, the myth, the legend, Matt Butler. Matt, what's going on, man? I just uh, enjoyed our little pre-show conversation about Pro Day and and then just other than that, enjoying the beginning of spring. <laughs> yes, opening day, Major League Baseball today. The first pitch of the Major League season was a home run by Ian Happ. So yeah, that's pretty good. Cool. Maybe that's a sign of good Derek things to Jeter come. Era. It's the first time since 1968 that all 30 teams are actually participating in opening day. It, every oh, that's team how is I playing. realized they were actually doing it that way. Yeah, every cool. team it's is actually playing. legit opening day. Every for team is playing. It's like not every, like it should it's, be. Which is Rob Manfred, man. I love this guy. It's just brilliant. It's like, why didn't they? That should, that should always be the case. Right. Quite every simplistic. Fan base is simplistically brilliant. Every fan base is I don't know about up. you guys, but I am jacked about Major League Baseball bringing back the bullpen car. Uh, uh, that is going to be cool. Yeah. yeah. One A organization. Car is cool. Yes, I always think back to Major League and Tom Berenger going to chase down his Ray ex-wife. Russo with the bullpen car. Yeah. Yes. It's yeah. the only way to get there. He had to rob the bullpen car. Um, a man who, I don't know, have you ever robbed a bullpen car, Rod B? No, man. Or a commandeered golf cart or no. a gator or no, a mule or like anything? that. Um, I do. I, I've actually, yeah, golf carts. I've actually driven on the golf course before, but disrespectfully, I got in trouble for that. Apparently, you're not supposed to drive on certain parts of the golf course. Depends on where you're golfing. So if you I golf thought at, I thought you drive rolling. a golf cart anywhere. If you so golf on white ro- trash courses like I do, oh, yeah, then they don't matter. care. Yeah, yeah I, well, I was even at, on I was greens. Do they place. care if they go on greens? Yeah, um, like I, I basically I was out of line. The fact that you said people, all yeah. the question <laughs> exactly. is all that matters. Exactly. We didn't know this type of stuff. Yes. So golf has a lot of unwritten rules, much like baseball. Yes. I will out myself. Yeah. I'm not playing there anymore because they raise their fees to a ridiculous rate. But Quail Creek down in San Marcos, that's a place nice. where as soon as like the marshal's like, all right, you guys have a good time. We're going off. My brother like immediately like takes <laughs> off the collared shirt and he's got the sleeveless shirt on and he's he's burning heaters in the golf cart. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> he's like, thank God, Marshall's gone. I can so do whatever I want. Oh, so yeah, cause, yeah, that's what it is. So they got like you know, basically officials that walk around yeah, golf courses. This is stuff that I did not know because I don't yeah. golf like that. Yeah, yeah. So you can't um, disrespect the golf course. But anyway, by the way, Rod, not talk too damn loud for golf courses. Well, <laughs> period. Like they got, don't like that either. Like I, I'm a loud uh, talker. Sorry. Call so, you. So from now on, you're Black Faldo. Yeah, right. exactly. Just call Black Faldo. I'm terrible. I'd be like, man, you gotta lower your voice. I'm like, oh, okay. spring games coming up, Rod, and you know the alumni nice. golf tournament spring game weekend. Oh yeah. Any chance Tiger Hoods makes an appearance? I've gone to it a couple times, but I never golf i just rode in the golf course and drink with the guys and yes. hang out and kick it so oh that's a good point yeah i might go this year i might go just to go hang out and see some of the guys it's always fun to do that like yeah i mean i didn't go to pro day because it was raining like a something 
And <laughs> turns out I didn't really need to because <laughs> thank God I didn't go. Well, you're an alum. We'll get to that here. Yeah, 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 well, you could have uh, crossed over and went and rubbed elbows with the Tomlins yeah, and stuff. Oh, that's a touchy area. I'm <laughs> media too. So he's, he's Tiger Hoods. He's Black Caesar. He's Rooster Blackburn. A number of true. different uh, alter egos. Alter egos. Uh, lifetime Longhorn, 2002 UT All-American, 2002 semifinalist for the Jim Thorpe Award. Fourth round draft choice of the New York Giants back in 2003, 15 years ago, folks. Uh, spent his NFL career with the Giants, Lions, Bears, Bucks, Broncos, and with the Hamilton Tiger Cats of the CFL. When he was done with football, got himself back to Austin, Texas, into 40 acres where he earned his degree. If he had his T-ring, I'm sure he would wear it proudly. <laughs> number 21 in your program, number one in your hearts, Mr. Rod Babers. Rod, before we uh, – we've got a condensed window, so we got a lot to get to, but yeah. I do want to mention this. The Spring League is taking place in Austin. That's right, uh, Johnny. The, the developmental league. Johnny. It's actually going on. How, how weird is this that the parallels between Rod Babers and Johnny Manziel continue both – have been property of the Hamilton Tiger Cats, <laughs> both looking to resurrect their football careers at the Kelly Reeves Athletic Complex. Oh, yeah. Where Rod right. practiced with the Wranglers, Man. and now Johnny Manziel is there Palace with the Palm. Spring League. Both have exactly. close friends from Houston Lamar. Yeah, this yeah. is true. Josh mm-hmm. Gordon, yeah, that's a good yeah. point. Oh, uh, you know what? I don't know. It's a, it's, you know what? I don't know. Should I, I should I go see Johnny or not? Apparently, he was better at his A&M like, throwing session because he was at the pro day than he was at his original pro day. That's, That's what they said. They say look better throwing the football. This football league you speak yeah. of explains why I was watching Sports Center the other day. I see Johnny Manziel throwing and says Round Rock ISD, and I was like, "What the hell? Where is he at?" Well, this is where Johnny <laughs> always wanted to be. Johnny, he ends <laughs> up landing in the place where he always wanted to be. He yeah. always wanted uh-huh. to play football in Austin. He just thought he'd be for the University of Texas. Right. Yeah. Turns out it's going to be what's the ta- name of the team? Uh, I th- it's just the South team in the Spring League. The another South way, team. Another parallel to Rod B because that's how your career ended, though, playing football in Austin. Yeah, he's going to try to resurrect his. Yes. Yeah, I, will, I, I was in a sense trying to resurrect mine there, you know what I mean? Until I think he's going to end up going to Canada, though. Put, your post-Canada stop was I Austin. Think he's gonna that would up, be the so best yeah, way. He's going to end up going to Canada. By the way, the Patriots talked to him twice at that pro yeah. day. Yeah. Uh, mm. Until some guy that Why looked not? like me was encouraging Rod that uh, it was time to go see Yeah, when I had to. <laughs> yeah. Let's go, man. Let's go, Robbie. Get jacked up. Uh, so that might be, might be the that end. is that is null and void. This but uh, now let's talk pro. Well, actually, three Longhorns are playing in that spring league on Johnny Manziel's right. team: uh, Quincy Vassar, yeah. Dylan Haynes, and Mike Davis. I talked Dylan to Mike Haynes. Davis. I was out at Texas Haynes, practice baby. on Tuesday talking to Mike Davis, and Mike said he had a Magic Mike. kind of a an ankle issue. Kind of I don't know if it was a stress reaction or just a bad sprain, but uh, he's out of the boot. He's ready to go. So yeah, um, yeah. Look, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing what Mike Davis can do and seeing if he can get a shot. I mean, uh, it does to relate to Pro Day league. because all those guys, you know, that's where they were trying to get um, get a chance, get an opportunity, right. get a shot, was at Texas Pro Day. So uh, Dylan, Texas, Dylan Texas. Haynes, though, I love it. I, I yeah. like Dylan Haynes. Everybody else hates on Dylan Haynes. Hey, one of the greatest DBs in <sighs> DBU history. I know. You think it's crazy. It, look at where he is. Right. He's top five all-time interceptions. You can't say. Well, no, and he's that's one of the greatest. It is so you just Dylan, hate him. It is so Dylan <laughs> Haynes <laughs> just to be in that league. Like, if, if it's a perfect, the only Not ever, even Sam Ellinger likes Dylan Haynes. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Dylan Haynes might be one of the most hated Longhorns of all time by Longhorn fans. Blake yeah. Gideon thanks Dylan Haynes because nobody talks yes. about Blake Gideon it's anymore. Blake I think it's a little reverse racism, though, because I think Longhorn fans just don't like white safeties. They don't yes, want white safety. I think that's football fans. So <laughs> I don't want a white safety. Why? Right? He's not. You know, that's true. Because uh, Cowboys fans about that. that. All pro. Cowboys fans about Jeff that. About Jeff Heath. They are. They always hate on Jeff Heath. I'm like Jeff Heath makes plays. It's like, oh man, Jeff Heath didn't get him out of there. It's like, oh, because he's a white safety. 
nobody, calling white people out on this. Literally, nobody knew Harrison Smith was like the best safety the in best football safety. until last yeah. year. Like they finally, he, okay, five years in a row. He was the highest graded player by Pro Football Focus in the right. league. Before he's a scrub. And then still. Eric Weddle's just a yeah. midget running. Before around we get to pro day, <laughs> I want to I want to mention this because this is the Elf. biggest piece of news Uh-oh. that has come down in the Tom Herman era. Oh. Now, those of you watching this on video might be wondering why I'm wearing my South Carolina coach's shirt today. Oh, boom. Oh, it yeah, is because yeah. Tom Herman. I saw this. This is the biggest coup of Tom Herman's tenure so far. I'm not talking about bowl wins or top three recruiting classes yeah. or, you know, whatever else. Tom Herman, to his coach, upcoming coaches clinic on the 40 Acres, has added to the speakers list Will must champ. Well done. The spirit animal of Longhorn Blitz is Amen. coming back to the 40 man. acres. There you go. And I am thrilled. Yes, yeah. what date is this? You got to try to find a way into that thing. You got to. Rod B, you, this is you this is where you get there. back in on the 40, Rod B. Yeah, got to get to find a way in there because I got to go see must champ. Who's that? Is it Marvin Lewis? Is the, Marvin Lewis is the, the keynote, keynote speaker. speaker but yeah. I don't know now. If you're bringing Will Muschamp and you're it's having Austin. Will Muschamp talk ball to a bunch of high school coaches, yeah, man. that to me makes Will Muschamp the uh, the featured speaker. That's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and of course he used to be, of course, the DC here. So I don't know. I got to get in there somehow. So and, thanks to Tom Herman for taking Will thing. Muschamp's advice and doing his job yeah. and getting Will Muschamp. Back forty acres. Well, it just shows you too clean. that there's a certain respect level that that at least Tom Herman has for him because I don't think Tom Herman would bring him in if he didn't we, think he was he had cachet. Oh yeah, you know we mean? need to get Will Muschamp on this show at some point. This is true. We've got I'll to get Will Muschamp on this podcast. We can get podcast. him on like this. We'd have to hit off season. There's no yeah. way. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah. No, nothing. He doesn't want to do interviews <laughs> anyway. So yeah, you had to be in the off season. Yeah, yes. you got to pick the perfect time yeah. while he's in town. That'd be so cool to get to sit down. Just tell him to come in here and talk football. Just mm. diagram one play, please. <laughs> Actually, see y'all, what it looks like when i found out i put on twitter obviously the uh the time in the colorado game where he punched the whiteboard at halftime oh yeah and, and it was pointed out to me on twitter he's like you know the most amazing thing about that was how quickly he drew up that formation like angrily just boom 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 just knocked boom. it out yeah rod b through high school college and the nfl how many times have you seen coaches like struggle to like draw up a formation like was it twin no it was twins it was open set hold on hold on let me this. yeah 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 you do see it because i mean especially Especially in high school, I think I saw it more. At the NFL, you don't see it a lot. In NFL, it's almost like common practice for them to draw. <laughs> so you're saying like that's like, like the litmus <laughs> test? Like you go, like well, say you're rapping well, and it, you ask a guy to freestyle to see if he's a good rapper. It's like, you a football coach? All right, draw me up and see how fast he can do it. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, no, what? That's what they ask you to do too. <laughs> there's that, there's that gif of Randy Whitman on the sideline with the Wizards where he's trying to like get the whiteboard. He's like, wait, nope, this is. He flipped <laughs> it. <and> <laughs> like, oh, uh, what? They even know how to work the whiteboard. They're trying to draw an inbound yeah. play. He can't well, figure when out. When you go into interviews and when Malik Jefferson goes to visit Dallas Cowboys, I'm sure they're going to ask him to diagram a play. Hey, show me this mm-hmm. uh, coverage that you did. And they'll have like the offensive players lined up. Like, hey, would you line this up or something? They always ask you to go to the dry erase yeah. board. That always is one of the, the litmus tests of football knowledge and football IQ. I mean, the truth is, and not, not knocking them, Mac Brown never drew up a play in front of me. No need right. to. I, I never saw him drop it, which Running makes me, you know, uh, as I know that he is a CEO. He wasn't, you know, he was a foot, he, but football coach at one point. But he'll ask Troy Aikman. Troy Aikman always complained about Mac Brown mm-hmm. <laughs> to the point where he transferred. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Because he's the OC. Because you know that's not really Mac's strength. Mac's strength was as a delegator. He he did know how to pick out talent. Go look at his assistant coaches and his coaching tree. Uh, even the second uh, reincarnation <clears throat> of Mac Brown in 2011. Look at that coaching tree now. Manny Diaz and Brian Harson and Will Muschamp. We just talked about like Mac knew what the hell he was doing when it come to picking coaches. But in terms of his football IQ, 
Uh, right. I mean, Mac never gave me coaching. He never coached me in the DB technique like uh, Tom Herman does. And I heard Tom Herman goes around like, "Hey, yeah. hey, hey, uh, where are your hands? You get your get your foot, get your feet right. Your feet are, in, are facing the wrong way. That's why you're doing this, and that's why your hips are going this way." Uh, and uh, you know, Nick Saban does that, and and Urban Meyer does that. Mac Mac was doing. It. Mac was hanging out. There was you, boosters at practice while he was talking. You know to what I, I what I <laughs> which what was good. Dig, what I think <laughs> about Tom <laughs> Herman? We'll talk yeah. Texas practice. Maybe we we might have some time in this show to talk spring football we're gonna devote a lot to pro day the one thing i dig about tom herman rod when i go out to practice it never changes the one and and, and we i never really saw charlie strong drift to the offensive side uh, of the field or with with the offensive drills yeah. when the charlie strong practices i saw he knows his but tom herman every practice i've been to it never fails the one drill he's with the defense and it's like with todd orlando running that drill is pursuit drill yeah and i wrote about this on the site and I'm, i harped on it last year i don't know if people really picked up on it or maybe people are just tired of me talking about it. But if you <laughs> want to know too. why Texas led the country in defensive touchdowns last year, go watch them run a pursuit drill. Yeah. Because they practice intercepting a ball or, or recovering a fumble, and it is the job of the other ten guys to create a convoy, to block, to find somebody mm-hmm. to block. And you watch it, right? Go back and watch their defensive scores. The minute the turnover happens, you got ten other guys looking for a different color jersey to go block. Yeah. Like, yeah. that's what I dig about Tom Herman. Yeah. Is it's, it's that you can call it attention to detail, detail or whatever, but, you know, one thing this program is going to pride itself on is non-offensive touchdowns and defensive scores. Mm-hmm. And when the head coach is that involved with that drill, that's why Texas is so good at it. And that's where, like, you hear the cliche, and we always talk about about luck and it, being lucky. And sometimes it comes back to a quote. Of, like, I don't know if Royal was the first one, but it's also about just preparation, meeting opportunity. It's mm-hmm. not necessarily you can't always deem if it's luck or not, but if you're prepared for that opportunity when thrown into it unexpectedly, you may perform better in the chaos than other people. And that's where if you have done all those details, all the things you're speaking of, you can put your team in that situation that in those situations where sometimes luck decides them, your framework's gonna set you up for success better than others. Yeah, and the everybody does the pursuit drill, but you're right in terms of putting a lot of uh, importance on it in terms of the whole entire uh, team, not just the defense focused on it because it's a defensive drill. To have a head coach over there that really involved in it, I never thought about it. But, yeah, I agree with you 100%. And it was important, too. I mean, we get called back for it if he, they found somebody wasn't giving 100% percent and somebody wasn't sprinting uh to the mm-hmm. sideline and yeah for the guys on the other side of the field it's more of a challenge for them because they have to rally to the football right. or if somebody dropped the interception mm-hmm. that you know coach had or, dro- or didn't get the fumble and everybody comes back and, and they have to do it again so yeah it's a lot of importance on it but it's about having a party at the football like that's the mentality we, or that's what we used to call it it's a party at the football mm-hmm. when they watch the film ideally you should have all 11 guys around the ball by the time someone gets down. Like, ideally. Mm-hmm. Doesn't happen all the time because, trust me, I'm a deep at the back, and I'm, I'm, somebody got ran me on a deep route or a post, so I don't necessarily get back to the hole like I should. But ideally, you should because that's how you keep guys from getting big plays on offense because they break a tackle. But if everybody's rallying to the football, right. watch great defenses. Most of the time, they have a ton of guys rallying to the football, cutting off the different cutback lanes for runners and for ball carriers. So ball carriers are always looking like, damn, that guy's coming at that angle. He's coming from this angle. And that's why you'll see guys, you'll see, you ever see a guy like on the, on the TV copy that they'll stop and make a, a football move and nobody's really in the picture? Mm-hmm. Oh, there are people in the picture, they're coming. Full yeah. speed. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, he's coming. 
coming. It's yeah. about a half a second, and he's That's coming. He and that dude's already like, oh, I've got to make a move here. And he's like, hey, nobody, just run straight. He's like, no, 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 yeah. run straight, and you go about, you're about to get your head taken off. And I think for Allen at the football, it, it breeds that mentality. And when they watch that film, and I've had people tell me this that I've played against uh, in college. When they used to watch the film of us rallying to the football, that's intimidating, man. That's psychological intimidation yeah. for an offense. Like, damn, man, ain't no, there's no free inches. There are no free yards against this team. Like, you got to work for every damn thing. Mm-hmm. And, and it makes them play a little tighter. And it also like, it goes along those lines where you talk about, like, football philosophies or ideologies, and it reminded me of what the Spurs do with the idea of the party with the football. So it reminds me of the way the philosophy of Spurs passing and getting the culture of passing. So you get your hand on the ball, and everybody is yeah. looking because it involves the other. Yeah. But it also then motivates others to be more engaged because— it's and it yeah. isn't necessarily anything about the individual person. They all want to win. They're all trying their hardest. But it's different type of whole overarching principles that you see that. Same thing with Kerr, Utah. And uh, it was whenever Boris Diaw joined up with Quinn Snyder, the old Spurs coach, went and do that up there at Utah. It's what they're doing now. You see all sorts of different teams having different type of ideas. It reminds me the same way because it gets that engagement. Once you're engaged, then it gets this feeling that you're actually going to be reciprocated and it's just going to always guarantee that that baseline of those things that you worry about not showing up or whatever yeah. oh, the it eliminates those yeah. things constantly. Yeah. So if you build your whole program around these things, you yeah. can be set up for success. Yeah, people would get, you would get like compliments from coaches like, oh man, and you wouldn't even be involved in the play. But like I saw a Babers rally from 40 yards away to make sure that he was there and to, then uh, like, to be well, in on the tackle. Yeah. Like that's the guy they would compliment because that guy's giving max effort and wants to be around the ball. And you're right, it does feed that and then, philosophy. The, and then Y'all are like, yeah, but that's sort of, that's what we do. It isn't necessarily something that's remarkable that they're pointing out to you. Yeah. It's just what you do there. So that's a cool part that you'd be able to differ- like differentiate you from your opponents. Along those same lines, Rod, I just want to throw this out to you as, as a defensive guy, and it's why Texas is so good at some of the things they do defensively, and you're starting to see them become habits. Another drill that I love that Todd Orlando runs, and he pointed this out uh, at the Angelo Clinic last summer. After pursuit drills over, they have a period where – they just work on spotting the ball on different hashes and getting lined up as quickly as possible. How do you handle getting lined up quickly against tempo offenses? You practice it. Well, and with wider splits being in college, there's more place that you can line up. So, I mean, if you're breaking a huddle and normally you run 10 feet over there, like those extra couple seconds to reshuffle and get set down, who knows? Maybe that is winning. It's like you never. I never thought about that. That's cool. It's like they'll line it up on the left hash and then boom. All right, 10 yards up, right hash, go, 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 go. And then boom, five yards up, left hash, boom, five yards up, middle of the field, boom, 10, 15 yards up right ash just and it's just practicing on getting guys getting it ingrained in your mind that hey when that ball gets spotted the first thing you got to do is line up whole offensive line is going to look like kickers and have memorized steps that you're going through before each snap no it's uh i mean going back to coach akina alignment assignment he was like those are the first two things you got to figure out then after he said don't forget about that alignment assignment don't get caught up in what's going on with the offense and how their tempo is don't get caught up if the ref just called a penalty don't get caught up in anything alignment assignment 
get that done, and then start making all your checks and then start communicating. Yeah. So it's the same mentality. I mean, it's just mm-hmm. it's, it's amazing how football is still the same. Yeah. <laughs> That's why you can talk Teaching football from the guy from the 60s and the 70s, and then we can still talk it as well with that same guy, and then we can talk to it, you know, talk to young men about it, or Shanahan right now is on the cutting edge of it, mm-hmm. and it's still the same. But everybody's got a different language for it. Everybody teaches it a different way, but it's still the same technique. It's still the same concepts all throughout. You the know what I mean? Group, alignment, yeah. assignment. We always say, alignment, assignment. Align- What's your alignment? What's your alignment? What's your assignment? What's your alignment? What's your assignment? I can see them screaming it right now. Alignment, assignment, alignment, assignment. And you real, you learn like, all right, alignment, assignment. Boom, boom. All right, I got my alignment. I'm in cover two. All right, what's up? You know what I mean? Like, boom. I want to get the number two. You know what I mean? And you learn, you go through your progressions. And that's, I remember him doing that way, way back in the day, but that's their version of it. Now for him, for the millennials, for him to teach it to the millennials, yeah. he's doing it a different way. And the, other, I, the other drill I appreciate is everybody except corners because corners were working on. And Jason Washington's really big on staying low and, and good footwork. And, and, you know, he yeah. had this deal right. I don't, I've never seen it before, but he had like, it was almost like rubber cuffs, right? That DBs had tied around their ankles so your feet don't go further than shoulder width apart. And he's working on hey, boxers. You know, a, lot boxers of work, a lot of work with the Yeah, a lot of work with shoots. Do. But yeah. all the other position groups on defense during individual, all practicing across the bow tackling. Why is Texas? Why was Texas such a good tackling defense last year? Mm-hmm. You practice it every single day. Yeah, uh, I mean, look at what Tyler Landle said about Houghton Hill. He said he was the best tackler on the team. Um, that's probably why he was the best, highest graded defender on the team by Pro Football yeah. Focus. He was. He was a, so, so. Yeah, I agree with you on that. That's yeah. why teams didn't get a lot of big plays because they were sure tacklers mm-hmm. on the team. So, just wanted to point that out. We'll we'll see if we can get in some more spring football talk. But let's go ahead and shift to pro day. <clears throat> Let's get kind of one of the elephants in the room out and, and discuss it for a couple minutes. Um, media access was not great at Pro Day this year. Man, and that's a stark difference. Matt, we covered Pro Day together. I think the first one we did was the Pistolas year that, McCoy. Uh, I think the first one you and I covered together was uh, the year that uh, like Emmanuel Acho and Keenan Robinson and Keiston Randall gotcha. came out. Yeah. And it used to be where the measurements were done in Moncrief and you could hear like guys' wingspans being called out, mm-hmm. heights, weights, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you go to the bubble and you could like hear numbers. And I remember. No, they would, they would shout them out. Yeah. yeah. And I remember in the Matt weight room, having they like, shout them out. A notebook. Having, I took notes on them all. Matt yeah. having charts and stuff yeah. and us writing numbers down. I remember down. that. Um, we know we no longer get to hear measurements and stuff like that, so that's mm-hmm. done, which is fine. I mean, it's whatever. Um, but you can't really hear or know what guys are doing on the bench press, the vertical. Uh, no times are getting called out, so you really, you're really yeah. kind of on your own. And you're a little distance out. away from the and you're the actual seventy action. yards away from where most of the stuff. So is basically, so yes, even trying to eyeball stuff it's or have binoculars, it's still hard. So basically, me and my couch at home, I long. Well, could watch it on Longhorn Network and probably got a better perspective. No, because LHN didn't televise it nope. live, so you wouldn't have been able to sit on your couch yeah, and watch yeah. it. So it was impossible to have any perspective. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. I don't know why they didn't do it live either. But and maybe they – and this is my, – my theory was yesterday that – and I can still – you know, obviously just still my theory is that Tom Herman and LHN wanted to make that appointment viewing. And when everybody, when it's not restricted access, when it's just full access, those numbers, not only are they kind of uh, just called out and everybody has access to them who are at the event, but everybody's on social media tweeting it out. And we know that Tom Harmon likes to control information. We know that. Right. All right. He's, he learned when he that first from came the in, He talked to, you know, parents about, hey, 
You know what I mean? You remember the, the Brian Davis report about, yeah. hey, don't talk to the media. And then he reports that he talked to a parent that said he told them not to talk to the media. Right. You know what I mean? So because he wants to control. He doesn't like leaks and all that messed up late in Mac Brown's era where everybody's breaking news and all this kind of stuff. He doesn't like that, man. He's like he's kind of CIA pop when it comes to that kind of stuff. So he likes to control information. I think that he does have a sports marketing, sports entertainment background. Because he used to work in it himself, but he's got people on his staff that worked at LHN as well. So he understands that it could be a propaganda machine. It, yeah. it is the, it is the, and I'm not making this up. This is how, truly what I believe is the most disappointing, wasted potential advantage. Probably in the history of modern sports. Without question. Like, you know what I mean? Because nobody You have your else, own freaking network. And nobody else has their own network, and yet it has been largely disappointing. Now, Texas sports has been largely disappointing, too, so I'm sure those two things go hand in hand. But my point is I think Tom Herman actually is the coach, unlike Mac, because Mac didn't like it, even though Mac is a media guy. I mean, yeah. that's what Mac does very yeah. well. You it was thought, just sort of came it, out of nowhere. If there was, was like, a yeah, younger sure. Mac, Mac would have embraced it. But it was right. an older Mac, and he was crotchety. He was in his grandfather days. Mac had a bigger fish to fry. We all agree with that after 2010. Oh, he and, that thing. and then Charlie Strong really didn't want to be involved in it at all. He wanted to focus on only football. He didn't want to talk to boosters or anybody. So Tom Herman's the first coach in Longhorn Network history to actually be kind of Longhorn Network friendly. He's young. He loves social media. That's why social media samurais on his staff. Strictly so that he could he could just put out propaganda about how great Austin is, how great Texas is. Look at what we're doing. We're having pool parties. We're playing volleyball. We're awesome. You know what I mean? Like that's all you. It yeah. is. It's straight up propaganda. Mm. If you follow any of their social media accounts, so he's all about it. And I think he wants to help out LHN. And I think this is Tom Herman and LHN basically working together to make that appointment viewing. Because now it is. We didn't have anything leaked out. There were not a lot of numbers that leaked out. There were a few, but you had to watch the actual. You had to watch that special just to make sure. Or they're one hour or whatever coverage. Or unless you buddied up make, with a the scout. They wouldn't let, yeah. They, they, the so they wouldn't let you actually get that, right. that access. So it was restricted access. They only allowed TV cameras. And what does TV do? They got to go back and cut it up. They got times they're on. They're on at 6. They're on at 8. They're on at 9. Whatever the hell. For, you know what I mean? You know, of a, yeah. uh, and of a four-minute sports segment, exactly. 45 seconds might He be understands that. And for the, the, the newspaper print, too, he understands. They got to go write them stories. They're not gonna just going to put stuff. They got to go write those stories, write it up, put it on the website, and then print comes out a little bit later. But the, the, the website folks they're all about putting it out there as soon as possible that's just that that, that's the the culture of that industry is to put it out there as quick as possible he knows that that's why he's got social media samurais but he's decided no 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 i want to control this information i want to control it for a purpose to make longhorn network appointment viewing it's him to me it's him doing them a favor or vice versa i don't know but it's it's them working together and that was my theory yesterday and i I stick with it i just uh, to me a couple things at play one i think lhn horrifically dropped the ball if you want to give lhn exclusivity that's fine but uh, you know i watched the one hour pro day special and i'm watching i'm like this is it this is what this is what you put all your eggs in this basket for yeah. you're doing 4 days of live broadcasting from texas relays no disrespect to texas relays who's going to watch that I'm who's going to sit and watch live coverage that. of texas that relays cra- i don't watch track and field when i'm at track and field exactly. you know i don't want to be there it's like how much money they're spending to just staff people to run that to run four days? track to track and field really so wow. I, th- I didn't understand that part. I'm with you. And I, I realize a lot of fans don't want to hear about media members like me complaining about access. Like nobody wants to hear about that. Of course. But I'll say there's two things at play. It's important. Number one, if you don't want us there, like you don't want to give us access, then just don't let us be there. 
Like it's almost like a it's a wait not almost it is a waste of yeah. time to say hey be here at eight thirty. <laughs> By the way, you're not really gonna get anything worth having you're, until eleven thirty or noon. Literally in timeout, so, yeah, in the corner, pretty over much. There. And none of this was communicated to us ahead of time. Of what the not. access was gonna because be? Because then you guys wouldn't have come. Exactly. I still need you guys to come and cover it. Even you tweeting out how much you're upset about it, mm-hmm. it's still coverage. It's the Donald Trump free media lesson we all learned. Just get the damn free media. Lavar Ball learned to get the free media. Who gives a damn? I'll sort it out later. Right. But let me just people are talking about me that's better tim brewster me people talking about me is better than people not saying a damn right. thing about me. so this is when johnny manzel just went to and it was pro day. there's that <laughs> a play there's there was no communication and yeah. it's just a waste of time and that's the that's the frustrating thing for me is you know i with the baby and not sleeping i could have used the you know an extra Man. two hours of sleep that's on <laughs> on wednesday that's morning. real but that's that's neither here that's nor awesome. there the other thing is if you're a fan and you don't care i understand that but if at some point if it keeps going the way it's going, and this is kind of what makes me frustrated about being a beat writer in this industry and why sometimes I wonder why I still do it. At some point, all the information you're going to get, it's going to be from the university. It's going to be funneled through the school. It's going to be what they want you to hear. So <laughs> don't count on getting any unbiased reporting. It's going to be all sanitized and what the programs want you to hear. And this isn't a Texas thing. This is yeah. across college across, football. Yeah. You know, Rod, you've been around long enough mm-hmm. and you were at that level in the NFL, there are certain parameters in place with the Pro Football Writers Association, with the Basketball Writers yeah. Association in the NBA, the certain Baseball Writers Association. Certain amount of access is, almost, is guaranteed. Right. So there's a certain the level game. of there's a level of understanding that, hey, stuff is going to get out that teams don't want out, but that's just the way that's it is the way because it is. that's how it operates. We, got, we have other industries covering us that are based on that access. Right. Like they, their entire industry is based on that access. College athletics is just a different deal. Mm-hmm. And at some point, I just feel like if you – it's like, well, you know, the information is going to get out. Yeah, but if you want unbiased reports and you want, you know, yeah. a not watered-down, sanitized version of it – Which is what Longhorn fans crave. Mm-hmm. We, they want the real. They at want some it. point, you're not going to get that. Well, yeah. and modern fans just in the world, we want it in, as organic and original as we get we now can. on social as media. As we can get that, it. That's yeah. how we get it delivered to us. So that is an odd spot that when the sports that we love, you still have that old guard protecting the message. But then with these guys, having it be the kids in specific to Pro Day, looking at their futures i could at least understand if i'm say texas and knowing the way that well if this kid messes up and we have live footage and all this kid's done you know the way modern society is is like yeah no shot so i really have a feeling that they also understand that and knowing that it truly only matters what the scouts think Mm -hmm. so if it's coming down to because this isn't for the top end guys like connor to showcase his skills on how high it'll go texas pro days for the kids just hoping to get one into camp and some of the fringe guys to maybe foreman's yeah antoine davis so those are the so i at least can see if they truly do care about the kids and now it blurs on the line of being also protective and like getting that propaganda out the way jeff is but if it's just pertaining specifically in this one case but, to the kid's future, I see maybe them having a motive to protect it. Not that I agree with it, but a good workout is going to get out there too. It's just the bad one's going to kill you. But from, I, from what I hear, and, and I, that's a really good point, but from what I hear at, at U of H, this was not the case. Right. If you're going to have so, a bad workout, oh yeah, no, for, just I don't saying, know if it's about protecting if the you've kids. Got, point in it you've got to protect all the kids. If you've and got, you got representatives of all 32 NFL oh, yeah. teams there and you have a bad workout, 
it's not gonna matter anyway. what I write. Yeah, it's, yeah exactly. Right, anyway. it's over. Yeah. But I'm just saying it wouldn't be live. So that's just a first thought that came into my mind when we're trying to think yeah. about what's the motivation behind this. That I think, may it's, be it's, I think it's obvious what the motivation. It's, it's like control. Yeah. It's Donald Trump's motivation. It's, it's obvious message. what the motivation is. He wants to control information. It's yes, that simple. For sure. Now, that's whether, what I'm saying. Whether for what intention he wants to do it, we don't mm-hmm. give a damn about that. I really don't care because I'm just gonna be guessing. Yeah, yep, exactly. You want to control the information. You want to control what's coming out and when it's coming out and how it's being perceived. Cool. You know what I mean? Right. Like I know that now about him. But you know what? He's he's got a, he's he's a CEO. So he I think he deems that was best for the program. To me, mm-hmm. I think it's him and LHN like working hand in hand because yeah. it benefit. Who does it benefit when you're trying to figure out a mystery? Figure out who benefited from it. Watch Dateline enough. Who benefited from the murder? You know what I mean? Who wins because this person is dead? Who wins because this legislation was passed? You look at who benefits, and that's really, in my opinion, where you start your investigation, your theories. Longhorn Network benefited more than anybody. Mm -hmm. More than anybody. Because they had exclusivity to it. And they dropped the ball. Well, that's that's something they've been doing for a while, but you get my point. Yeah. So I think they, I think them and and Tom Herman, and I don't know how he benefited from it, but I, I think he gets control of information, what he wants to do. But I think that is really the culprit here. And by controlling the information and getting out the ones you want or not having it be out there live, then it may benefit the program if the kids look better than, say, they would have if he hadn't filtered the information or filtered the way that it's covered. Yeah, I mean, that was my theory yesterday on the show. I'm sticking with it. You know what I mean? It's it's, it's those two entities. Yeah, so there's just kind of our our talk on that. So um, <laughs> anyway, let's go to Pro Day. And one good thing with Pro Day is uh, I, I get to this first before we talk about the specific workouts. Uh, I had a chance to talk to Mike Mayock for a few minutes. He was there with the NFL Network. And of Lucky's all the dra- old buddy. Of all the draft guys, which, by the way, Mike Mayock has a hell of an Earl Campbell story that I'll, I'll share real quick. Today's his birthday. Yeah, happy birthday. Happy birthday to Earl Campbell. Can't happy believe birthday. we forgot that. Yeah. Um, which is actually a good transition for this story. So Mike Mayock said Texas was playing Boston College in Austin in hmm. 1977. And Mike Mayock said he ran 60 yards to chase down Earl Campbell, and somebody bumped him out of bounds. But Mayock figured he ran that far. He might as well try to get a shot in. He said he tried to forearm shiver Earl Campbell and ended up hitting his helmet and shattered his forearm and missed the, <laughs> missed the rest of the year and had to take a red shirt. Wow. That's a man of steel. And that's so Mike wow. Mayock. Like, people are learning right now that, that Mike Mayock crazy. even, like, played football. Yeah. No, wow. and another great nug. That's that a just, great story. With man. our show, <laughs> yes. First off, knowing that Mike Mayock and then had his roots go back to our old oh, partners on the radio and a guy here at the Horn with Bucky Godbolt. But then I remember having my mind blown because we know Bucky enjoys that FIPO line and things along those lines. Yeah. And whenever I was sitting around watching a thing on Henry Hill, and you know that line in Goodfellas yeah. when they're shaving them points up in Boston? Well, you know what that was? That was Boston, Boston College yeah, while was. Mayock and Bucky were at Boston College. Yeah. And then it goes full circle. Bruce Pearl was like a little assistant, like GA yeah. on that team. I was like, that man. That was 30 for 30 like, about that. Yeah, believe, they did. Right? If yeah, you yeah, haven't yeah. watched playing for the mob. But yeah. yeah, I never had connected the dots that the teams that shaving were the same times that Bucky was at Boston of College in was. football. I was like, <laughs> that just fits so perfect. Of course it was. By the way, Rod. Uh, you, uh, and Flutie. At, 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 Horn Bash is coming up here, I think, next weekend. 
Uh, is there any chance you and Bucky can square off and uh, and get that one on one that he promised? Dude, he dude would I'm beat not gonna you. be responsible for what do you Bucky mean, breaking his hip what? or something. That, that inspired the wind pipe chop. Bucky, Bucky said he could take Bucky's Rod. Like, B. Is Bucky but now? I know, like sixty. So you're saying fight? Is Bucky sixty? No, the oh, the one okay. the, the wide receiver versus yeah. Oh, okay, okay. How old is Bucky? <laughs> Bucky's like sixty, right? Yes, has, he's older than that. He's older than that. Yeah. yeah, dude, I'm not gonna be no, I'm not for some red no. I'm not he gonna, said even in his three point stance he could take you, right? I know, and I know he believes that. But if I actually, and he's I, full of like, it. Either he would he would end up getting like a random catch because I wouldn't be taking him seriously, or I would I would literally windpipe chop him and hurt him. You know what I mean? And hurt him, and he would break something, and I would feel really bad. This, I, it's a lose lose. It's like it's like LeBron James doing the dunk contest. Lose lose. Yeah, right. right. You know I mean? I, like I literally, <laughs> I may be me. being an ageist here, but I have a feeling I could maybe cover Bucky right now of at his age. You could. He's sixty year old. Person. I know, man. It's not. Yeah, you could cover a sixty year old Jerry most, Rice, possibly. Yes, that's pushing the. Uh, thank you. <laughs> I will take the compliment. Jerry's I did. Prob- yes. Actually, Jerry Rice is probably about forties. Something forty-five. I heard. Yeah. I heard Bucky is going to share the baked potato story for everybody again during Horn like Bash. 50. So if you're, if nothing else, the baked potato story from Bucky. The baked the potato story. Of, it'll be, it'll un- be the pri- the worth the price of admission. Un- yeah, it'll be unfiltered too. It'll on top of the barbecue cook-off and everything else going NC-17 on. Down in my neck of the woods at Buck's backyard in Buda. But anyway, That's right. Um, so I talked to Mike Mayock at Pro Day, and he said, you know, I, I just asked him his thoughts on the Texas program, and <clears throat> he had a couple things that really stood out to me. One was. He said when he watched Texas on tape, and he said he ended up watching a lot of Texas because when he was evaluating the quarterbacks for this draft, Sam Darnold, Baker Mayfield, Mason Rudolph, and he said he's told NFL coaches and scouts, hey, if you want to evaluate these three quarterbacks, watch the Texas tape because it's almost back-to-back-to-back, and that was the best anybody played those three quarterbacks all year. He loved the way – he loved how hard Texas plays on film, number Mm -hmm. one, and number two – he loves what Todd Orlando's doing defensively. So yeah. you could tell they're doing different things defensively that other Big 12 defenses aren't doing, and, and they've got some talent on that it's side a lot of, of pro, ball. He's and using clear, a lot of uh, pro, a popular pro concepts. Yeah. Yeah. And clearly had some talent on that side of the ball defensively. Mm-hmm. He said the other thing that he really liked was how hard this current team is working in the weight room and, and how Yancey McKnight, the ship he runs over there, which we know the testing numbers and, and all that mm-hmm. stuff, that stuff speaks for itself, but – Rod, you're you're slowly but surely. It's been a long climb back, and Texas Tech is a long way to go to get back to the top of the mountain. But you're slowly but surely starting to see all that stuff that adds up to being a championship program starting to come together. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's it's what's going to happen is, uh, and hopefully it happens in the next two or three years. The roster is going to get to the point where, as we pointed out before on the last podcast, where the best matchups and the most competitive matchups you're going to see are going to be in practice. Talented depth. You know what I mean? And that's how Alabama is, and that's how Georgia is probably right now, and Clemson, and Ohio State, and, you know, Florida State was at one point. USC will get back there. That's how how you know you're going to contend for a national title every year. And we were like that in 2001 and 2002. And Texas was there in 04 and 05, and I don't know about 08 or 09, actually. I don't know if you can say that in 08 or 09. You know what I mean? Yeah, we talked about that before. Yeah, that was a lot of Colt McCoy and Will Muschamp. The, the, the descent yeah. for Texas in a lot of ways offensively started then. Colt McCoy, we, he was just so damn good. We didn't realize it. He really was covering up a lot of issues, when you get a lot the of ineptitude. In that guy was the leading rusher in attempts and rushing yards in 2008. Like, mm-hmm. dude, he was the entire offense. Right. But he, he was just throwing it to Quan and Jordan Shipley. You couldn't double both of those damn guys. And then in 09, it was the same thing with him and Jordan Shipley. But anyway, I digress. My, that's not my point. Uh, my point is I think Texas is going to get back there where the, the roster is so damn talented. And the prime example will be on defense. 
Because, and we pointed this out before, the most recent history at Texas, when you have a first-year defensive coordinator going back to Manny Diaz, who we all know is a talented defensive coordinator. He's not a scrub. Look at him at Miami. All right? He was great in his first year in 2011 and in 2012 when he lost a ton of talent. All right? He lost Keaton Randall. He lost Blake Gideon. He lost Manny Acho. He lost Kenny Robinson. They took a precipitous drop. All right, uh, from fell that, off the cliff. They really it was one of the worst defenses in Texas football history for two years, 2012 and 13. You get a new defensive coordinator, Vance Bedford. He has a great season in 2014, first year for Charlie Strong, and then in 2015 and 16, it drops off a cliff again. Why? Because he also lost a ton of talent. Mm-hmm. He lost Quandre Diggs. He lost. Uh, Mikael Thompson, he lost uh, Malcolm Brown, uh, I think he lost a ton of talent, and then because on defense you need talent to win, period you need talent, you need guys that can play at the next level, why was this title Orlando defense good? Go look at their pro day, we just, we'll talk about it, Holton Hill, Deshaun Elliott, Malik Jefferson, Puna Ford, all those guys are going to be in on the NFL roster, they'll all be drafted from the defensive side of the ball, so the reason you can, the way you can avoid that is back when I was playing, we had Cedric Griffin and Michael Huff and uh, Aaron Ross behind me and Nathan Basher. You know what? You lose Rod B and Ahmad Brooks and Quentin Jammer. You know what? When you got guys like that behind you, you're mm-hmm. not going to take a precipitous drop, all right, in production defensively, in effectiveness uh, defensively. So I think for Todd Orlando, that this will be the test, uh, one of the tests. Is Texas coming back? Can you avoid that drop-off? Because I know why the drop-off happened. We've already studied that. We can see the trend. Can you avoid it? I think he can because he's a better defensive coordinator, number one. But number two, I like the talent they have coming back. You got Gary Johnson. You got Chris Boyd. You got Brandon Jones. There is P.J. Locke. There is on that defensive line. You got Hager and Charles Amenahu. And, you know, you got a lot of talent there. You got Malcolm Roach. So I wonder if you can avoid that. And, and don't get it mistaken. Those teams in their second year after the drop-off of Manny Diaz and Vance Bedford, they had talent too. <laughs> there was talent on those teams, but it, it wasn't maximized. And it wasn't, it wasn't veteran talent. And mm-hmm. when they lost that veteran talent that went on to the NFL to play at the next level, they couldn't really uh, teach their, their, those concepts the same. And then there was, a, there was a disconnect between guys understanding the concepts, understanding that, what the defensive coordinator wanted them to do, and their ability to execute it on the field. For Todd Orlando, I think he's a better D.C. at this point in his career than Manny Diaz was when he was here right. and Fans Bedford was when he was here. Right. Yeah, and then there's that whole level where, like you were talking about, you know, when you're trying to diagnose what went wrong, was it that the actual teaching or was it the grasping of the concept? A bit of both. Those, exactly, and when you have somebody new coming in, though, you sort of wonder what his defense is going to do, what his strengths are, because we don't necessarily know that yet for Orlando, but we do know is these new coaches, new play, or the new players last year when they got the new coaches, were able to pick it up and make it work pretty quickly, so maybe Orlando has something that may be able to just uh, players adapt or align easier with what they're used to doing in modern football concepts yeah so i I just want to let's go ahead and get to pro day and uh you know i'll have some stuff from mike mayock on the site some of the stuff i just talked about i've I've got actually got some thoughts from him on connor williams and we'll start there connor williams on field workout you know he did work out at basically every offensive line position you can there's drills and his footwork drills whatever the bag drills 
all mimic movements you do at left tackle, left guard, right guard, right tackle, and even center. He had he did some shotgun snaps. Yeah. And talking to Mike Mayock, he said, you know, as smart as Connor Williams is, as athletic as, athletic as he is, his He's ability to reach. Um, if you're going to kick him inside, why not try to move him to center? Because of how important that position is when you look Ooh. at really, Rod, to me, the center position kind of changed in terms of value when you look at what the Cowboys did in building their Travis offensive Frederick. line with Travis Frederick. Yeah. And, and you and I did the show the, the day after that I draft, that. and we all laughed. Why are you taking a center the no, first no, round? No, 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 I didn't. Yeah, I had no, a, I ran on my show about how Cowboys fans are tripping. Yeah, because mm-hmm. I was like, he's not a big name. You want a big name. You want a splash. I say, with this guy, you're going to be able to build the old line around him for 10 years. Black Stradamus was right. I remember saying that, so I wasn't I, that bad. I anymore. laughed it off thinking, I was like, no, why, why couldn't you have got? Why couldn't you yeah. move You know, move back and yeah. pick up picks? And I was and like, no. Whatever. They, and then they started building that offensive line. They built the offensive yeah. line. Yeah. True. And building it that. for what we're going to play than the style right. that we have played. Yeah. So, you know, Connor Williams, I thought, had a uh, – it's hard to look better than he did yesterday doing drill light work. too, right? Yeah, he came in at 298, said ideally he wants light. to play between 300 and 305. But Which some scouts don't like, I guess. Like, I, nah, I thought he looked good. And, and you know, Mike Mayock's take, he said he's going to get drafted depending on how a team sees him. Do they see him as a tackle? Do they want him as a guard? Do they want him as a center? Man, this upsets me about NFL teams. It really does, man. I, I, Go I, ahead, Rod. Floor is yours. I was about I'm to be upset on, on old with the league, man, because they've done and they've been proven wrong every time when they try to put football players in a box. Yep. Right. I want a quarterback I want a that's this. I want that looks like this. Little that light. Is, you know, has this skill set. It's like you realize they come in all shapes, sizes, and colors. Yeah. And they're and they're. It isn't going to look just like the one before. It Tom, took the Tom, NBA twenty years yes. to get past finding the next Jordan. Yeah. They everybody keeps looking for the same guy. They want to look for the next Tom Brady. It's like you know the next great one ain't going to look like Tom Brady, right? <laughs> That's just not the way it's going to happen. Probably Deshaun Watson. Go look at John Elway's skill set. It wasn't nothing like Tom Brady's, and and Joe Montana's was a little different too. They're all going to look a little bit different, man. That's mm-hmm. what upsets me. They want to put everybody in the box. So they're doing the same thing with Connor Williams, right? They're like, well, man, I don't know if he's a tackle. I don't know if he's a guard. Okay. You saying he can why play can't them he all? be both? Why is that? Why is that? A, why is that something to, a negative? Why is that a, a point of criticism instead of being something that should be an asset? Because he can play all of it. We talk about the Cowboys' offensive line, Lyle Collins. Why do we like him? Because they can move him from tackle, move him back inside the guard, which you're talking about. Because they just picked up Cameron Fleming, right. a switch tackle who plays right tackle and left tackle, and they have a guy Marcus Martin who plays center and guard. They've made themselves injury proof now. Because mm-hmm. they, they've manufactured depth because they got guys that can play multiple positions. We talk about it all the time on defense. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, why put that guy in the box? That guy can play. Zach this Martin's another guy that can play multiple yeah. positions. Man, him, yeah. it, so I, I would say, I don't know why it's considered a bad thing when you're like, man, like Shaquem Griffin, people are like, well, we don't know if he's an outside linebacker, the one-handed player from UCF, mm-hmm. if he's an outside linebacker or if he's an inside linebacker or if he can even play safety because he ran a 4-4 or 4-3 or whatever it was. And it's like, and they're like, man, that's going to hurt him. I'm like, why does that hurt him? That should make him, you know what I mean? That should be one of those guys you're like, oh, I covered this guy then. Yeah. I can put him at anything. I can be experimental. That's because NBA, NFL coaches, as good as they are, they're lazy. They're lazy and they're stubborn they, um, in many oh, yeah. ways. So I think for Connor Williams, at first it's going to be a disadvantage because people are going to hate on him because we don't know where to put him. Oh, because we don't really think outside the box. And then his third year in the league, they're going to be talking about how it's his biggest asset. You know, he's one of the only players in the NFL that can play all five positions on the offensive well, line. And that's why I think. 
okay. Yeah, of course it is. I'd like to read some of these quotes and see which teams are saying what because there is, I'd say in football, the biggest rift between some teams that still do it their way and the way they've done it and some teams that are very forward-thinking. And it looks like the ones that are forward-thinking are hoarding all the good players, and it's been going like that for a while with, like, the Patriots and the Eagles and the Rams. And, like, there's a couple other ones that have been doing doing this over and over and over. Look at at Kansas City's roster. Tyreek Hill. I don't know what to do with this guy. Look at those linemen that they have. Like, look at the Eagles offensive linemen. Like, every single one looks like more like Connor Williams. And, like, then then I bet they're looking for guys. Oh, you're saying he should be a little bit heavier in the pants? You see how much we're running out here and the tempo we're going at? We'll take that 298 guy that's lean, muscle, in shape, and versatile. And it's the same thing that, I mean, I still heard up until two or three years ago with NBA players. It blew my mind when you talk about position versatility in every other sport as a strength. Mm -hmm. And in football, it's still possibly a weakness. Like Marwin Gonzalez are these baseball players that play all positions. You aren't going to count them, discredit them. You aren't going to do the same thing with these players. LeBron can play all five. You don't discredit that. Or like the idea when you look at each player and say they have, well, I just don't know if this one tool isn't up to par. It's like, so you're saying you're ignoring the other 99 that are awesome just because you're basically trying to discredit why you aren't going to be wrong about this guy instead of actually looking at what they do well. Yeah. It goes. It, it cuts across all levels. You know, there was a time where Texas didn't offer Quandre Diggs because they didn't know where to put him. Exactly. <laughs> I remember that. Like, I remember you talking about that. He like, came out of the like, womb as a DB. Do, do you know? Do you know when Texas him? finally offered him? When Bob Stoops went to Angleton the day after they didn't offer it junior day, he's like, hell, I don't care. I'll put him somewhere. I mean, he can, <laughs> he can play Quan- for me. It's I'll, I'll figure out, I'll figure Quan- it out later. So That's a problem I want to have right. is what to do with this really talented football player here. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? So, Connor Williams, uh, a lot of the mocks I've seen, Rod, have him going anywhere from like the, yeah. the upper 20s, like 21, 22, all the way down to the back end of the first round. And, and possibly the, dropping. Well, you talk about Cameron Fleming signing with the Cowboys, the team I've seen pop up a lot in Patriots. mocks for Connor Williams. It's the New England Patriots. They lost both of their tackles. They lost Nate, Nate Solder and they lost Cameron Fleming. So, ooh. Ooh, that would be awesome. Yeah, there's a Malcolm Brown's there, too. So and they have some connection. picks to move up. From ooh, the and we know, we know, Bill, Bel- we know Bill Belichick likes Tom Herman players because they took you Landon Roberts. And Landon he Roberts is And he spoke here last year, so they got a relationship. Yeah. Yeah. So, ooh. We, we shall see. That's a nice one, Jeff. I like that. I'm bringing that up on the show. I'll give you credit, though. So, it's going to um, be Dixon and going to be – they're just going to hoard all the Longhorns this year. I do know that uh, – I, I don't know if this is supposed to be out there, if it's common knowledge. Speaking of Tom Herman players in the Patriots, uh, Deshaun Elliott had a meeting with the Patriots recently. Did he really? Yeah. Good for him. Yeah. I mean, he's an instinctual player. I can see Bill Belichick being intrigued. Yeah, because he's another guy. They want to know, is he a box safety or is he a guy that can play center field for me? It's like – um, I think he could do do a little bit of both. I don't know if his strength – I don't know what his strength is necessarily in the league there, but he's instinctual, so he definitely could put him in the box and let him work. Yeah, right. The, the, two, you know D, I mean? the two DBs that, that are going to be drafted, Deshaun Elliott and Holton Hill, um, interesting skill sets because I, this along the same lines, and this happens in recruiting all the time, and, and this is one of my pet peeves, and, and you're, you just really nailed it. Guys spend so much time breaking down tape and looking at what a guy doesn't do mm-hmm. that you totally miss what he does do. Yeah. Malik Jefferson's a perfect example of this, he and is. I've got a story up right now about <laughs> his draft like prep. The what's yeah. the what's the knock on Malik Jefferson? Oh, he gets lost in the wash. Yeah. I don't know if he can take on yeah, blocks. Can okay, take on blocks, yeah. what does he do really well? He works he runs space. like a he runs yeah. like a deer. Yeah. And he every... can track the ball in the open field. So, what was his draft prep all about? 
he's not going to get like stronger. He's not going to gain 20 pounds yeah, or suddenly become a guy that, that blows up things C gap to C gap. So he got with Clay Mack, who's one of the top private DB trainers in the country, worked mm-hmm. out with Jamal Adams and Jalen Mills. <clears throat> he got with Bobby Stroop and the guys at APEC and Fort Worth who were great at what they do with speed and explosive power. And they worked on taking this fast, explosive athlete. We're going to make him faster and more explosive and really open him up. So that way when he gets to the combine and he runs a 4-5-2, which was the third fastest 40 time among linebacker. linebackers, yeah. when he runs a shuttle time at Pro Day, which I don't remember off the top of my head what that was. I had the number written down, but it would have been, I think, second or third among linebackers at the combine. 37-inch vertical jump, which I think would have been fourth yeah. among linebackers at the combine. So he really tested Rod across the board Top as good five. as any of the linebackers in the draft. Yeah. Might be the most athletic linebacker in the draft. Mm-hmm. Now you look at Malik Jefferson. Now what's the feedback he's hearing from NFL teams? Hey, we think this guy could be a really good fit for us at Will Linebacker. Well, mm-hmm. We can put him in space and he can run. No. You think so? Yeah. Really? Yeah. yeah like, I was about to say the way that you hear guys, they'll say, oh, he gets lost in the washing or something like that. And it's like, wait, but – that his job's to make the tackle. Your job is to put him in a position to make that tackle. Don't get him lost in the wash. Put him in a situation where yeah. you will be set up to succeed. He shouldn't be playing inside. <laughs> we all agree with yes. that. And I think they're talking about the film where he's playing inside a lot. You get that guy on the perimeter. You want him on the edge. You want him on the outside working in space. And that you be- want him meeting an offensive lineman in space, not an offensive lineman in a phone booth. Yeah, yeah. that's a flawed you way I mean? to assess you know, tape if you're, say, watching him do something you aren't going to have him do. Well, scouts are just critics, yeah. ultimately. And whether critics are telling you what's wrong with something, what's wrong with a movie, what's wrong with a restaurant, all that kind of things, they don't really compliment that. Also, the scouting season, which we're in now, it's all about – the negatives. What does a player give me reasons not to draft a guy, uh, and you know, and then tell me if I can coach that, uh, coach up that skill set. If those, if those negatives, those liabilities are coachable, can I get them out? Uh, or are they? Is it a deal breaker? Whatever mm-hmm. the liability is in his skill set. So that's what the scout's job is. So that's a lot of what we get. Mm-hmm. Um, at the draft, it's more about what a guy does well than what a guy you know doesn't do well. Yeah. Which is it. Um, so I mentioned Malik Jefferson. I thought I thought those guys, Malik Jefferson, Deshaun Elliott, Holton Hill, I don't think they did anything at Pro Day that hurt themselves. Which is important. There wasn't anything that yeah. I looked at that was like, oh, gosh, that was bad. You probably shouldn't have done yeah, that. Yeah, that's or important. Maybe you should have done that more. It's interesting, though, Rod. I, I feel like Deshaun Elliott, and I think Brian Broaddus at DallasCowboys.com, Brian Broaddus is a former scout, mentioned this, and I, I agree with this with Deshaun Elliott, and maybe you could talk about this and why this is. It seems like he's much better – playing things when it's in front of him and he's got to come downhill and attack mm-hmm. than it is when he's in a back pedal and he's got to play things kind of moving backwards and try to track it that yeah, way. Yeah, because his instincts, and I think he's just a great instinctual player, uh, he can use those. It's less thinking when I'm attacking something straight on. I'm just using my instincts, and he's a great instinctual player. When you're backing up, there's a lot. There's a lot of processing going on. So yeah. I don't think he doesn't process really, really well. And I, I hate to say it like that. That's not in terms of having a lot of time to think. If he doesn't have time to think and he just is reacting, he's great. Right. He's unbelievable. That's why his, his plays are bang bang plays. Mm-hmm. All right, he's coming down. Boom, hit a guy. Boom. You know what I mean? Uh, bang bang. The tip. The pass was tip. Boom. He's right there. You know what I mean? He's a great instinctual player, but that's when you're face up front, you know, fronting something essentially. When he's backing up, he's got to process the route combinations, process what the quarterback is doing, what's the quarterback's shoulders doing. Is he, you know, he's he's uh is he looking at this side of the field or this hash or this hash? So he's processing a lot of different things. I think that game will that part will 
will slow down for him mm-hmm. as he gets coached on the next level. Right now, that's why he's really good with things in front of him that he's coming downhill on. But if he's if he's backing up, if he's going uphill essentially, then that's a lot more to process. Everything happens a little bit slowly, but there are a lot more things that you have to breathe yeah, that you should be reading. I think the key to with Deshaun Elliott and Holton Hill both to remember is these guys still don't have a ton of experience. No, they you know, don't. Yeah. Deshaun Elliott had the toe, had the toe injury early in his yeah. freshman year, and you know, <clears throat> play was kind of more of a special teams guy and a backup guy as a freshman. And then for whatever reason, <clears throat> we've talked about this too. I thought the biggest mistake that Charlie Strong and that defensive staff made in 2016 was they had Deshaun Elliott and Brandon Jones as their starting safety tandem for the Oklahoma State game. Mm. And I thought one of the biggest mistakes they made was pulling those guys the next week and going back to Jason Hall and Dylan Haynes. It's like no. Stay you're going to have some lumps because these guys haven't played They're yet. Babies. But yeah. by the third or fourth game, they're your duo. They're going to be really good. And we saw that this year by about game three or four. Like, wow, Deshaun Elliott's really good. And then we saw Brandon Jones make Get that better and better. So, really, these are both those guys. And Holton Hill had like the weirdest like six game suspension I've ever seen in my life. This <laughs> sophomore year was like, he's playing one week and he's he yeah. makes it to K State, but then he's like, in the locker room for the first half. I think he was on and probation, then, and he kept violating And then he probation. plays the next week, yeah, and he's out the next things. week. So yeah. it's like, what are, what are you doing yeah. here? I don't I don't know. But And Holton Hill's got off-field stuff that he's got to answer to. And, and you know, yeah. he said he's felt feels like he's learned from his mistakes. He mentioned that at Pro Day. But I think if you're, if, you're, uh, if you're an NFL team drafting these guys, obviously if you're drafting guys, you're drafting on upside. But you're thinking, yeah, with Deshaun Elliott, as he gets more reps, oh, man. it's going to become second nature, and I think I'm going to have a hell of a player on my hands. Exactly. So I'm with you on Deshaun. That's why I think, yeah, if Deshaun's coming down to cover a guy, he's coming down because he's got to fill this gap, or he's coming down because you know he's in run support, his his role is already defined. It's like, come right. down, do that. He's yep. like, oh, I can come down and do mm-hmm. that, and I'm do it fast at a real quick speed. You know what I mean? Right. Um, but when he's backing up, he's processing. I'm processing, processing. You know what I mean? So it's like the Apple computer with the uh, little rainbow wheel. That's what happens to him a little bit when he's when he's going backwards. I like but I that. think he'll get he'll get better with that because that's just trust me. I, re- I remember that. I remember everything moving fast. I'm be like, oh, the route combination. I recognize that. Oh, the quarterback. I'm supposed to look at that. Oh, I forgot about looking at you know this guy. Oh, this guy's threatening me already deep. You know what I mean? So there's so many things. He'll he'll get really comfortable with that process. He's just like you say. He's a baby, man. Yeah. And he's just how you just pointed it out right there, how it got to where the, you started to then notice things, but. But then you even in within that you're admitting it hadn't become a second nature yet yeah. because you, then you're noticing them but you aren't seeing them in your periphery and just sort of like in that neo matrix exactly. when you're then Boom. just that's when instincts have totally taken over yeah. but some I mean we've had players that you saw like Earl Thomas where it took Blake Gideon to put him in that spot let the instincts take over and it exactly. goes off then like you said when you're in the middle of that buffering zone when the NFL knows that okay once he gets that done the physical skills that's all you don't yeah. even have to worry about that's exactly. the type of, when you have a player that doesn't have the phys- if you're diagnosing but don't have the skills, your your ceiling has already been tapped. Yeah. It, you have nowhere to go. So these guys, it's exactly what you want from an NFL player. And then when you've seen that they played in a conference where they probably had to pick up some pretty in-depth coverages that if you're assessing all the players across college football, those Texas DBs and DBs in the Big 12 are going to be quite familiar with a lot of things that they're going to be seeing at that next level. Mm-hmm. Uh, we'll talk. I want to talk more about Holton Hill next week, Rod, because I think he's interesting. Because I think if he gets in the yeah. right scheme where you can really take advantage of his skill set, I think he could be a, a real steal later in this draft. No question. Uh, but the guys that are late round guys or are gonna we know are gonna be priority free agents. I want to mention Puna Ford. Puna Ford didn't go to the combine, but yesterday 
I thought he had a great workout, 29-inch vertical jump, uh, a 9-3 broad jump, which would have been top three for defensive tackles at the combine, a uh, 40-yard dash. I think my stopwatch, I had him at 5-1-2. Uh, he was anywhere from 4-9-4 to 5-1-8 to the scouts. So Still I feel like I big did boy, a decent man. job. I'm kind of right there yeah. in the middle. Uh, the 5-10-5 shuttle was 4-4-7, which would have been the best for defensive tackles at the combine. Wait, and then the three-cone drill, Oh, seven four, which would have been top five for defensive tackles at the combine. And talking yeah. to Mike Mayock, it's a quick shifty uh, man. Let's talk, again, man. talking to Mike Mayock about Puna Ford. Brian Davis from the Statesman and I were both talking to Mike Mayock about Puna Ford. And you know, Mayock's take was that the the traditional nose guard. When you think of like guys that are like traditional three four nose mm-hmm. guards. That position has become de-emphasized because you're looking for more versatility. Rod, we talked about this yep. when Puna Ford was going to the Senior Bowl. The NFL is becoming such more it's more of a passing league that you've got to have a guy that can show you some pass rush ability and get after the quarterback. But I think what Puna Ford showed, and I think the, the, the best the best compliment that's been paid to Puna Ford is what Tom Herman said about him early in spring practice, which is he has not seen a harder. And you think about the programs Tom Herman's yeah. been around, that's the real. guys he's seen. Said he has not seen a guy like Puna Ford practice that hard consistently since he was a GA at Texas watching Casey Hampton. And Rod, you shared a <laughs> you practice field, a yeah, locker man. room with Casey Hampton. That dude's a- That's a pretty damn high compliment. Uh, yeah, Casey Hampton was a rare. He really led Texas in tackles, I think, one year. Yeah. When he was man, Big 12 man, defensive player of the year. It might have been two years, actually. No, he's got some freaky stat yeah, like 2000, that. 2000, I'll pull it up. But, yeah, but that's what kind of motor he had. Think about what you have to do to lead a team in tackles from the defensive tackle position. We just talked about pursuit. Yeah. Like, that guy, he's running downfield to get wide receivers who caught hitch routes, and I'm still breaking down them. Like, that's how much of a freak this guy was. Um, and... So for him to get that kind of compliment, and obviously one of the greatest Pittsburgh Steelers players of all time. When yeah. you when you make the Steelers seventy fifth anniversary Ooh. team, no, he's gonna he's arguably yeah. a Hall of Famer yeah. in the NFL. Yeah, he so, should be in probably. And he wasn't undersized D tackle, but he was a he was a nose tackle, traditional nose for Puna. People are trying to figure out because, like you said, the nose tackle position is an endangered species. Yeah. Um, they 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 want guys who can basically create disruption and pass rush. He can do that though. He can disrupt. Yeah. I don't know if he's a pass rusher. But he definitely can disrupt. You hear what Malcolm Brown says? That everybody's hating on his height. It's going to end up being his biggest asset. Uh-huh. It's, it's gonna be. It's like the Jose Altuve thing we, we were talking was, about. It's yeah. going to be his big. He said because nobody's going to be able to win the pad level with him. He's going to already be passing. We, we saw that him. last year. Yeah, you saw it at the Senior Bowl. Yeah. The Ia Honda arms have yeah. longest rank. Like he's literally, if you were to make something just based on the physics of what you need to get the job done, he's the best thing possible. The low squatty guy that's shifty. He, you just admitted that among all NFL athletes, he's like the fastest and quickest changing direction. So inside that short space, that's insane. Added on to having yeah. the longest reach where you're going to keep them off of you while having the squattiest body type to have the best lower center of gravity. You couldn't yeah. create something right. better. It's the bumblebee. So yeah. I think Puna Ford got himself in a position where he's going to be drafted at some help. point. Yeah. The Seventh gu- round. The guys, the guys that are priority free agents, uh, Jason Hall, right, and I heard you talk about some of this on, on the broadcast, um, and I agree with you. Jason Hall, it's going to be fit. It's going to have to be somebody that uses yeah. that hybrid linebacker safety position mm-hmm. that sees a fit for him because he ran he ran in the mid to low four fives, which That's I good. think 230 plus pounds for him yeah. is pretty good. Antoine Davis, you know, wow. I know Ahmad Brooks on the on the yeah. LHN special compared his pro day to Marcus Wilkins' pro day, a guy that didn't play a whole lot. Antoine Davis has film at corner and nickel. 
maybe he could fit at safety, but you're talking about a guy that ran low four fours, high four threes, 28 reps on the bench. Which would have been the most yeah. by any corner at the combine. Yeah, Jason Hall also with a 10-10 broad jump. So you're getting an idea of the kind of athletic guy. And, Rod, we've seen guys, you know, whether it's Marcus Johnson or Adrian Phillips, mm-hmm. we've seen guys come through this program that have gone the undrafted free agent route and carved out really nice careers for themselves. The uh, Texas has basically been, especially on the offensive side of the ball, a bargain bin, a bargain basement for NFL scouts to find really good talent. There have yeah. been NF- offensive linemen too. You talk about guys like Trey Hopkins and Kent Perkins. Kent Perkins. Yeah, there have been, I mean, at every level, a wide receiver position. We just talked about that with Marcus Johnson and some other guys. So, Fonzie Whitaker, Malcolm Brown running Malcolm back. Malcolm Brown yeah. running back, yeah. So they know there's talent here. It just hasn't been maximized or developed because Texas football has gone through its own little right. crisis. And yeah. it, it was 2000 that the, that he had the team in, tackles. He and DeAndre Lewis tied for the team lead with 78 tackles and he led the team with 18 tackles for loss and also forced four fumbles. DeAndre Lewis was a Mike that. linebacker by the way, did for he, the record. Did, didn't he go undrafted? Yes, yeah, D.D. Lewis is another guy. Who's undrafted. I can't believe I just that called him DeAndre. Like, what, eight, nine years or something? He played in the league for a ton. Yeah. yeah. Marcus Wilkins played seven years um, in the league. And then Rod, real quick, we, we got about 60 seconds, but Amani Foreman, yeah. I had him at 4-4 flat. I thought he had a really good workout. This is something that I thought when he was recruited he could do this, and you mentioned it on the show. I'm really intrigued if an NFL team would get mm-hmm. him in a camp and say, why don't we flip him over to corner and yeah. see what he's got. You know he's athletic. Like a Richard Sherman. That's what Richard Sherman did pretty much. He's got that body type. He is really athletic. I know that people have brought it up. Uh, I'm not the first one to bring it up. It wasn't my original idea. So it's it's out there. That's a Jerry Hamilton idea too, by the way. Is it really? A recruit. Yeah. yeah. So because he's that he's that kind of an athlete, man. He's really he, remember he was a good kick returner for Texas. Led the team in touchdowns, so he can be productive as a wide receiver. He's mm-hmm. not going to stand out working out. He's going to stand out when he gets in camp and he can beat coverage. He can catch balls in really tough situations and in, in, in close uh close in close quarters. There, uh, we've seen him make tough catches on the forty acres. I think that's where he'll stand out. But somebody may take the Sounds like a Patriot guy. Yeah, I like that. All right, maybe we'll talk more Pro Day next week. We'll definitely get back into spring ball talk. I was at practice on uh, Tuesday. It looks like we'll get a little bit more today on Thursday, get another open window, so we'll see how that goes. But we will do that next week. Matt, thanks for everything, man. Oh, you are more than welcome. Rod B, appreciate the time and the knowledge. Anytime, brother, anytime. For Matt Fried, for Travis, the best damn videographer in the podcast game for everybody at the Austin Radio Network, 104.9 the Horn, hornfm.com, AM 1260 in the Horn app, where you can hear Rod B on the Rodcast every day from 1 to 3. And thanks to Matt, you get this show on iTunes, TuneIn, and on the Longhorn Blitz SoundCloud page. Yep, just type in Longhorn Blitz. For the Horn family, for the Horns 24-7 family, I'm Jeff Howe. Thank you so much for downloading and listening, and we will catch you again on the next episode. You've been listening to Longhorn Blitz with Horns247.com. Remember, for the latest Longhorn news 24-7, visit Horns247.com.